0: Let's get in the word this morning. Romans chapter 8. You guys ready? I'm going to try to stay on schedule for the the sake of just keeping all of our people that are working with our kids, uh, you know, kind of their expectations will be done at a certain time. My expectations will be done when I'm finished. And uh, let's try to make that meet as much as we can. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. We're going to kind of go over the last couple of weeks. Good morning again, live stream. That's what I want you to do. Everybody, big deal. It's a big deal. Take that button that says share or like and press it right now because the message that's about to come really is instrumental Uh, It's foundational to so many good things. I hate for anybody to miss out on it. It's a big deal. Just put down your favorite emoji, too, just for giggles, because I I know we all like the little soft-serve ice cream one. we will go from there. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. The Holy Spirit does not make you a slave. The Holy Spirit makes you a son. Does, we don't have to be afraid anymore, this fear of, you know, am I good enough to please God, am I you know, qualified to go to heaven? We, it, it, the Holy Spirit, He comes to us in such a way that it confirms to our, our deepest man, our deepest parts of our life that, that we're right with God, not because we're good, but because He's better than we're ever going to need Him to be. He is good enough. What Jesus has done is powerful enough. We talked about Second Timothy chapter 3 and the orphanage that we were all raised in. We talked about godlessness in the last days and perilous times. We talked about you know, people who love themselves and lovers of pleasure and lovers of money. And they'll be both so proud, rude, arrogant, self-seeking, treacherous, rash, conceited. I mean, none of these things are good. And being raised in that environment, we develop certain tendencies to defend ourselves. So last week, we came back and talked about this. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, by the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We talked about last week how the Apostle Paul, or Saul of Tarsus becoming the Apostle Paul, kind of through a transformational walk with Jesus, how how his name changed, but more than just his name changed. He changed. He, He was Saul of Tarsus. And at the end of his life, he was the Apostle Paul. And there was a journey. He had to forgive himself. He had to let other people forgive him. He had to let God forgive him. This, this man who was always in control, always had to be right, always the smartest guy, always the most ambitious, always the hardest worker suddenly has to rest and let God just simply adopt him because children don't perform to be adopted. Parents' love is what, what facilitates adoption, not the, child, the child's performance. Everybody get that, right? So from there, today we're going to take a further step because it's really important. You've got to hear me. Somewhere we've lost track and somewhere we've stopped short. I'm just saying in general, the nature of the church, the nature of us as believers, we believe enough to be forgiven, but we seldom believe enough to see the kingdom. We believe enough to be saved and, and heaven is our home. We, we believe enough in the, in the goodness of God to trust him for our salvation. How many you guys know that after salvation comes purpose? If there was no purpose after salvation, you'd have said, hey, Jesus is Lord, and poof, you'd be gone through these spinning Nikes, and, you know what I mean? And, and it would be really weird because there would be a big pile of clothes laying there, and I don't know if we'd go to heaven naked. It's just the way I do it in my mind, I guess. I don't know. We don't need clothes, you know. So anyway, Saul of is developing. He's going. He's growing, right? And he always, when, when he grows, he lets everybody follow him. This is how I went. This is how I went. This is how I went. So after salvation always comes purpose. Look at this. There will be, hear me, there will be an eventual dissatisfaction with a Christianity that tells you how to behave but never tells you how to believe. Our lives are better now, not just because we don't have to go to hell, but because we get to bring heaven to earth. Our lives are better now because we have a purpose. Our lives are better. Our dreams should multiply, not diminish, because of Jesus. Our future should, should exponentially grow rather than minimize. Oh, I can't smoke. I can't chew. I can't run with girls that do. You just go, what? When I gave my life to Jesus, the whole world opened before me. And I'm here to tell you today, you have a purpose. You have a reason, right? Our ability to dream gets born again too. Look at this. This is how he finishes his statement. Chapter 8, verse 17. Now, if we're children, here comes the dream, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we go through the same hell that he went through, we get to celebrate the same heaven he does. If indeed we're willing, it's not just I'm here for the wiggles and the giggles. I'm here for the warm fuzzies, but anybody disagrees with me, I'll just be quiet. No, we have to be all the time, all on lovers of God. But when we are, regardless of the suffering, regardless of the praise, when we just give our lives to Jesus, Jesus gives life to us, and we give that life to you. Let me, let me show you this again. Ephesians chapter 2, again, So the apostle Paul writing. For it's by grace you've been saved. So we're talking about salvation. What's the mechanism by which we're saved? It's, it's faith, grace and faith. And this not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so no one can boast. So he's just established a foundational truth about salvation. What's the very next truth he establishes? It's not salvation anymore. It's purpose. For we are God's handiwork, his workmanship, his poema, is the original word there, his poem created in Christ Jesus to do what? Come on. Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. When we are born again, we get to discover who we were made to be. When we meet Jesus, when we're introduced to the kingdom, we get introduced to more than just heaven. We get introduced to purpose and life. So, there's two questions we should get used to asking ourselves and others. Number one is this what did God save you from? I love that story. I, I, I will never get tired of hearing somebody's testimony. So, tell me about Jesus. When did he come into your life? And some people say, well, I was raised in the church. I had godly parents, I had a horrible, sinful past. I, I had two cookies once. so My mom told me I could only have one. I still feel guilty about that. I, I don't, you know. And others, like, tell me about Jesus. Well, I was an axe-murdering, uh, you know, Nazi who was, wasn't even punctual. You know what I mean? And, and, and then I gave my life to Christ, and so now I'm on time, and I grew my hair out. And you, know, right? and you go, what? I, I, whatever the story is, isn't it amazing that when Jesus comes in, the story changes? Story changes. So, what did God save you from? But the other question we have to learn to ask right after salvation is purpose. What do you think God saved you for? Why do you think you're still here? What do you think His purpose is for your life? Today, we're talking about purpose. We're not supposed to wait around to go to heaven, we're supposed to get hard at work getting heaven to come to earth. When Jesus teaches us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, He says, Let your kingdom, and let your will be done on as it is in We're not sitting around waiting to go to heaven. We are laboring for heaven to come to earth. Now, sometimes that's in the form of hand sanitizers. Sometimes that's in the form of our words. Sometimes that's in the form of our giving, our praying, our serving, our sacrifice, our risks that we take. Sometimes it's entrepreneurial. Sometimes it's managerial. Sometimes it's parental. But all of us have something we are supposed to be living for and doing right now. So the question is, how do we do we do that? How do we literally find what we are created to be and do? And I know you're like, here comes the three circles. We're not doing three circles today, but read the book if you want. <clears throat> it's in there. But I, this is the answer. The short answer is this. The fruit, everybody say fruit. Fruit comes from root. The fruit of this, the fruit of, of our lives is to come from the root of walking and loving God as Father. If there was one thing, I've said this for years, that I could just put my hands on you and give you, it would not be the gift of prophecy. It would not be the gift of tongues. It would not be the gift of healing. If I could give you one gift that was mine to give away, it would be the revelation of God being your father. Because once he's your daddy, you can walk on any playground. And my daddy can beat your daddy. Every mountain becomes smaller than your daddy. Every problem, every risk... Every opportunity is is tempered by the knowledge that I will never face another thing alone again for as long as I live. The love of the Father. If we could just get the love of the Father inside of us, we would never be afraid again. Perfect love. and Anybody know what perfect love does to fear? It sends it packing, right? It goes to Ohio State and roots for the wrong football team after that. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 is the, is the great prayer. Have you ever seen the Jews at the wailing wall with the... The, the braids in their, in their hair, and they're, they're doing this, and they're tucking prayers into the wall. You know what I'm talking about in, in Israel? They're, they're praying a prayer. It's, Baruch Hashem Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, over and over and over again. Deuteronomy 6.4 is, is that. That's the Hebrew. It's hero Israel, the Lord our God is one God. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one God. He's one God, he's one God. Deuteronomy 6.5 says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Hundreds of years later, after that's written down, after that's become the normative practice for all of Israel. Everybody in the covenant knows Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 6, 5. Everybody that's a Jew today knows Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 6, 5. It's, it's piled, piled into them like it's their John three sixteen for us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so... Hundreds of years later, Jesus is cornered by a bunch of teachers that are testing his doctrine to see if he's for real, he's a heretic, they can discount him in some way, it's an us or them contest of intellect, and Jesus being the word of God has kind of an upper hand in the debate, um, because he doesn't just know the word, he is the word, and so they say, Rabbi, of all the commandments and all the Old Testament, well, and all the things that God has written, there was no New Testament at the time, What is the most important? He doesn't go back to wash your hands before you eat. He doesn't go back to don't boil a baby goat in its mother's milk, which is just a strange thing to do anyway. He doesn't go back to the the regulations on mildew and menstrual cycles and holidays and holidays. It's all in there. You ever read the Old Testament? It'll freak you out. Like, God said, what about what? You ever notice that when he says something extraordinarily weird, right afterwards he says, because I am the Lord your God. It's like, do that. Why? Because I'm your daddy. That's why. Just do it. I don't have to explain myself. That's what it feels like, you know. So what's the most important one, Rabbi Jesus? And he says it's Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You're to love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Let's talk about that for a moment. Can we? How many you guys give me two minutes to talk about our heart, soul, and our strength? Good, because i got like 15 minutes to talk about it. All your heart. What, what does it mean by all your heart? The heart, it's, it's a weird translation, but what they're talking about is the heart. The literal translation in many places, it's the word bowels. How many you guys know that if Billy Ray Silas sang about your achy, breaky bowels, it has a completely different meaning to it. So, but it's, it's the center of the will. It's, it's, it's the, my ability to choose. So when, when God says, love me with all your heart, what he's literally saying is, I want you to love me with all of your ability to choose. Every time you get to a crossroad, wrong, right. When you choose right, you're loving me. When you walk past the tree of the knowledge, the, the fruit of good and evil, and, and, you, and I tell you not to eat it. Every time you walk past it, God said, that boy loves me. That girl loves me. Every time we have that, that choice to make. I mean, I say we make a lot of choices. This is what he's talking about. Hard is not. I just feel him. Oh, he feels so good. I'm sorry. I, I rolled my eyes. I shouldn't roll rolled my eyes. I just love the feeling. It's like, I know. And we're going to get there in a second. But if our will is not aligned with his will, it doesn't matter what you feel. It matters what you do. It's a reflection of my love for God is when there's a choice to be made, I choose Him and nothing else. Love God with all of your soul. Here we get in the experience. It's loving God with your ability to experience. So some of us in worship are a little reserved because we come from a background where they're reserved. There's two people on the Boblo boat, those who dance and those who watch people dance. I get that. I get that. And if you're young, you're like, I didn't get any of that, but old people laughed. Ask an older person. They're wise in the ways. Um, we... We can love God with our ability, our, our availability to experience him. You can look at a sunset and go, that's pretty. Or you can look at a sunset and say, my daddy made that. And you experience it very differently. You, you, can, you can hear a child cry and go, oh, where's their mother? Or you can hear a child cry and say, that's life. And my God gave that child life. Einstein said it really well. He said, there's two ways to live your life. One is as if nothing is a miracle. And the other is if everything is a miracle. I I choose to take my soul and say, God, I wanna I wanna live in awe. I wanna be astounded. I want to experience who you are, and the last one, loving God with all of your strength, this is where it gets a little confusing, because the, again, the Hebrew language is a very pictorial language, it's, it's not the Greeks were all about definitions, the Hebrews were all about pictures, so when you take a Hebrew phrase, you put it into Greek, then you translate it into English, it's no wonder people get up and leave in the middle of church, when you, I'm just, done. I'm sorry, Michelle, that was just fun for me, that was just fun for me, <laughs> you just see, she went, I know we're friends, yeah. So loving God with all of your strength, this is not your physical ability or your intellectual ability or your financial ability. Your strength is literally your potential to become. Put a thumbtack there. When I love God with all of my strength, what I'm doing is saying everything you put in me is yours too. Not just what I am, but what I'm not yet. So look at this. The word for strength here, all of your strength, is the Hebrew word ma'od. Everybody say it with me just so you know Hebrew. Ready? It's the word ma'od. Not a mode, but mode, right? With everything that has potential. To love God by becoming what he gave us the potential to become. So when we love God with all of our heart, that's a noun. My heart is. It's a person, place, or thing. I remember that from Schoolhouse Rock. Right? So it's, that's, it's a noun. When I love God with all my soul. My soul is. It's a thing, right? So it, it, it's a noun. But when I love God with all my strength, my strength is not a noun. It's actually an adverb. If you, take, if you take the word maod in other places in Scripture, it actually is the word very or much or muchness. Um, look at this. When we love God with all of our strength, all of our maod, we're loving God with what we aren't yet and what we don't yet have, but we have the potential to become. It's so cool. When, when a young wife dreams of having children and she dreams those dreams before God, she's loving God with all of her maod. When an entrepreneur dreams of the new business. When an author dreams of the next book. When, when a contractor looks at a vacant lot but sees a mansion. We're loving God with our ma'od. Anybody ever realize that when you look at a dream and it's going to happen, there's something inside of you that starts to go like, this is cool? Yeah. Like, I'm going to get a college degree. Oh, what a bummer. No, that, that's biology class is a bummer. The degree is like, I'm going to become something that I'm not. When I give God my tomorrows, and all the dreams and all the capacities and all the seeds he's planted inside of me, that's when I'm loving God with all of my, all my strength. Let me let me show you this in the word. Genesis chapter 1, uh, five different days in a row. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Follow that narrative. And God said it was good. It's the word tav, unless you're Eastern European. Then it's tov, but tav. Have you ever heard the phrase mazel tav? It'd be like good. It's good. Tav fortune, matzel. It's um, good fortune, good luck, good whatever, right? So when God created day one, it's good. Day two, it's good. Day three, day four, day five, it's good. Day six, another word is added to the word tav. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, God saw that it was very good, or the word translated strength, ma'od, is the word that's used here as very good. Ma'od tav. Are you getting this? Okay, why? Here's the question. Why was the sixth day of creation ma'od tav and not just tav like the other five days? Hear me. Hear me, hear me, hear me. You ready? Everybody listening. Everybody's got this, right? Livestream. Put down the eggs. Tell Billy to be quiet for a second. He'll get his bath later. Here we go. It was ma'od tav because when it was all done, all of it had the ability to recreate more of it. The plants had seeds. It wasn't Adam. It was Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve was going to become Fred and Barney and Wilma and Bam Bam and Pebbles. Every, the ocean, the tides came and they went. The moon, the stars, everything's, everything is working together to produce more after its own kind. It, hear me. When we love God with all of our strength, we're not just loving God with what we have. We're loving God with the seeds yet inside of us that have not yet been planted. With all the tomorrows, all the dreams. Look at this. How many of you guys think apples are good? If you're a Hebrew and you walk up to a plate of apples, you'd say, Tav. Tav. But what's the difference between this apple and this apple? It's seeds. This apple, these plate of apples, is tav. These apples are ma'od tav. Why? Oh, I get to move. That was, that was so oompa-loompa, wasn't it? Look at this. Because it has seeds. Hear me, hear me, hear me. An apple with seeds can reproduce. I, I can count, and so can you, how many seeds are in that apple. But nobody can count how many apples are in those seeds. One's good. Good. One is very good. In other words, what you are when you give your life to Jesus is tough. It's good. But what you can be is ma'od tav. It's very good. God didn't just save you from your past. God saved you for your future. He's a dreamer, and his children are dreamers too. We can love God, get this, with what we aren't yet. Did you know that? We can love God with what we aren't. I remember this, is, this works not just kind of like towards the future, but it, it helped me in a season of my life when I was trying to get away from my past. I gave my life to Jesus at 16. I'm a homeless kid living in a car, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's a Huckleberry Finn thing, and I was enjoying it. My parents retired, moved to Florida. They said, you can come with us. I said, ah, I'll stick around, and I lived off the kindness of strangers, and it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a good time. People say, you're homeless? It's like not in a little orphan Annie kind of a way, but in a Huckleberry Finn kind of way, yes. I was gloriously homeless. Went to school every once in a while to see my friends. Graduated, not say my cum laude, but oh, thank you, Lottie, by the grace of God and my <laughs> teachers, you know. But when I joined the military, they stripped away everything that made me unique. And that's part of the military training. If you're a Democrat, a Republican, an independent, a, you know, toad licking, tree hugging naturally, it doesn't matter what you are, right? When you get there, you're nothing until they build you back up again to be a soldier. One of the things that really suffered during that time was my walk with Christ. There was no time for the Bible. I had never been taught the Bible. I got saved at a rock concert, and I'm this undiscipled 18-year-old in way over my head, training to be a military police officer, you know. And God became kind of an afterthought, and there's a distance that grew. And what was happening was when we were all done, we got that 24-hour pass, everybody went, and got bombed. So I I went, I'll just have a Coke. I'll go and just have, well, then you put rum in the Coke and then a couple of beers and then a couple of, right? So at this time, I'm, I'm sitting on a bar stool in Copper's Cove, Texas. I got six tequila shooters in front of me that are all empty and I got a beer in my hand and I'm, I got my buzz going. I'm, I'm ready to just sit on that stool. And a buddy of mine across, hey, Jim, you got about another year before you're out of the military. Are you gonna re-enlist? And I went, let me pray about it. And Amen, I, I no. Um, he said, what are you gonna do? I said, I don't, I'm gonna, here it comes, ready? I'm gonna be a missionary. I'm drunk. Empty, <laughs> empty tequila shooters. A beer man, we are going to be? Going to serve Jesus. Cheers. You say, what, why would you say that? And this is why. Listen, my heart didn't belong to Jesus during that time. And my soul was not delighting in him. But my strength still knew he was out there somewhere. And I was going to find my way back as soon as I could find my way back. I remember looking at him, tears in my eyes saying, I don't know how to serve God in the military, but someday when I'm done with this, I'm going to run back to God. And he'll take me. I'm going to give him the rest of my life. It was about two months later, three months later, I came back to the Lord. I got to serve Jesus the last year of my military service because he didn't want me to have a testimony if I couldn't serve God in the army. He wanted a testimony for me. I served God in the armed forces. You can be a Christian in the armed forces. That served me and countless other young people well for the last 30 years or so. I'm here to tell you this. We have this ability, and it's, a, it's a, the love of Christ constraining us so we don't do things that we, we shouldn't do, and the love of Christ compelling us so that we do the things that we should. It's the dreams. I am 55 years old. Almost 56 years old. Almost 90 years old. I have more dreams in my heart today than when I was 25 years old. More dreams in my heart today than when I was 35, 45 years old. My my tav, my good is as good as God has made it. But my ma'od tav, my dreams of what God wants to do. You guys we're getting ready to plant a church. We're planning at Jim Parkin and Carrie Parker, and They're going to lead a church in Grand Blanc. And we're to, the, this Monday after Easter, they're having their first meeting. We're, we're, we're planning about 20 churches this year through the Michigan district that we all serve. we got missions trips ahead of us. Um, I, the, the book, I, I read it today. And if I like what I see, it goes off to the editor and I'll be done with it. And the book will be finished. We, we have so many good things happening amongst us, in us, around us. Why? because I believe that God is the one that doesn't just make us born again, but but our imagination becomes born again. Our dreaming becomes born again. The older I get, the more I see, I'm running out of time, I feel that. I'm I'm gonna die when I'm 110, but I just feel like I'm middle-aged at 55. I wanna get some things done. My dreams are still moving forward. So I just want to take this one last thing. You guys got two more minutes? Who will give me two more minutes? Two, four, six, eight, ten. yes! You only do this for my anniversary. For the the record, Pastor Les didn't raise his hand. And he's preaching on the 25th, so you know what's going to happen. Let's turn it outward. Do we want those we serve, our children, our grandchildren, our employees, those we manage, our neighbors, do we want them to be good? If so, then teach them to behave. But if we want them to be very good, we have to teach them to believe. A Christianity that does nothing more than moderate the morality of the world around it will fail. A Christianity that looks at someone in prison and says, I believe in you. An addict that says, my pastor used to be. Someone who's homeless will say, you know what? There's nothing limiting you. When we look at people with the same faith that God looks at them, the world will say, where have you been? But we walk around going, you do what? Well, you know, the Bible, Leviticus chapter. And I'm not saying things aren't wrong. I'm not saying that all things are right. I'm simply saying this. If all we're known for is what we don't do, we're not doing anything right. We need to be known for having the same faith in mankind that God has in mankind, who gave them the ability to envision a tomorrow that is different from today. We have the ability of getting in our little imaginary time machines and going 5, 10, 15, 50, 100 years into the future and coming back to tell everybody what we saw. I believe that we can change the world. When Martin Luther King said, I have a dream, he began to tell us, it was about a little black boys, and little white girls holding hands, a a, a day where his children be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. That was not the day in which he lived, but he went into his time machine of imagination. He went forward to a place, he came back and told us what he saw, and a generation began to dream the same dream. He didn't have a plan, he had a dream. (laughs) We said, I have a plan. We said, "Uh, okay. He said, I have a dream. And part of us goes, really? What's the dream? And he told us, we said, man, we could dream that with you. God has given you a born again ability to dream. So here's my question. What what are we going to do with this thing? What are we going to do with this ability to dream? I challenge you. Don't just believe enough to be forgiven. Believe enough to see the kingdom come. Don't, Don't just believe enough to get out of debt Believe enough to become generous. Don't, don't just believe enough to get a job. Believe enough to start a business. Don't, don't just believe enough to be happy. Believe enough to bring joy to multitudes. Don't, don't just believe that your kids are not gonna be bad kids. Believe that they're gonna be great human beings that serve humanity and God with honor and distinction. We, we have this ability. Let, let us not be tough. What are Christians? Well, they're good people. I don't want to be good. I want to be very good. I want my strengths, my ma'od tav, to be the strength that belongs to Jesus. Somebody say amen. Father, today, I thank you for the time we've had in your word. I pray that you would bless this. There's a part of us that gets beat into pulp because we, we, we dream and then it doesn't come to pass, or we try and we fail, or we, we, we dreamed, we got there, and it wasn't what we'd hoped it would be. It was empty. God, I, I pray, help us to not just have our sins forgiven, but that every part of us will be born again. Even the parts of us to look at the future, not just eternity, but between here and our last breath, there is a purpose. Saul of Tarsus found it and became the Apostle Paul. There are people in this room that need to find it and become what you created them to be. You always saw Paul as a finished work. (laughs) You always saw Paul as a finished work. He didn't know who he was until he met you, and then you introduced him to himself. I think we need that today, God. Introduce us to ourselves, and let us be what you created us to be. If you're here today and you're not right with God, he didn't create you to be distant from him. He created you to be close to him. Like any father with a son or a daughter, you are not, it's not right when you're a million miles away, when you're distant, when you're a stranger. Everything that stands between your heart and his heart was dealt with. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, an innocent man dying, the son of God, as a sacrifice, as an offering, he had done nothing wrong. And when he died, he paid for everything I'd ever done wrong. He traded me. He took my hell and gave me his heaven. On the third day, he rose from the dead. History says it. Scripture says it. Historians say it. Jesus was seen by multitudes walking the earth after he was seen dying on a cross. Easter's coming up. We'll talk about it more. But the same victory that he got when he came out of the grave is the same victory we get who believe when we come out of the grave of our past. We get to see new things like the kingdom coming as well being done. If there's stuff in your heart that stands between your heart and his, now is the time. This is the place. Right here, right now. Just say, Jesus, take it all away. I give you my life. All of my yesterdays now belong to you and all of my tomorrows. I'm going to love you with all my heart, my ability to choose, all my soul, my ability to experience and all of my strength, my ability to become. It is yours now from this day forward. From this day forward. From this day forward. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. Let's do this right now, would you? Let's just celebrate the goodness of God by standing to our feet and gathering our stuff. Because there are children's workers like, hey, has has he shut up yet? (laughs) They have a dream. It's a dream of me ending on time. So as you gather your things, please don't leave quite yet. We're going to be dismissing you in a safe manner. Have you guys noticed, anybody know anybody like locally that, that's dealing with COVID right now, like they have it right now? There's been a little breakout, so let's be especially careful as we move towards, uh, you know, kind of re- releasing and relaxing restrictions. Let's make sure that we get there safely. So workers who are dismissing people are all on your places, bright, shiny faces. All right, the doors are opening. Wait to be dismissed, and when they dismiss you, you're gone. God bless you. Live long and prosper.